I'm not going to lie. I feel like this show is about honesty. I feel like this show is about um, telling the truth. I feel like this show is about telling it like it is. Whether What's the promo for a Teddy and, and Tyler? Telling it like it is, whether you want to hear it or not. So I'm here to tell you something, whether you want to hear it or not. I had a blast calling those games last night, Josh. I know there's a very, very small faction that needs like 10 to 2, 16 to nothing to get all fired up about things. And for them, maybe it's a situation where, I don't know, that level of expectation is so high that you need double-digit runs, and that's fine. I mean, come one, come all. But, man, it was pretty fun to call some tight games early in the season. And it's funny, I – I have a goal, Josh Helmer. Good morning, Josh. How was your How was your Thursday night? How was your Thursday night, the opening of Diamond Sports season? Oh, the opening of Diamond Sports nice. season. It was it was fantastic. We were both opening Diamond Sports season. I was over at the Norman North Baseball first pitch dinner, but it, it was great. Oh, it was cool. a terrific Thursday, and I agree with you. I don't think, uh, you know, in a season where who knows how many of those types <laughs> of days Oklahoma softball is going to get, it's not bad that they they got pushed a little bit i have a goal to have a perfect broadcast i want to have a game where i don't say stat wrong i don't say a half inning wrong i don't bungle who the opposing team is or maybe a, a pitching change or anything you know just little things that are pretty massive but in the same vein you know just a mistake free broadcast i did not come close in either game last night. But it just, there was such a good feeling, man, to have softball back. And you see it. You see it with this lineup. You know that it's going to be fine, right? And if it's not, there's someone sitting on the bench ready for that opportunity. I was just, I was mostly happy for Nicole May and Jordy Ball last night. You know, that's just you think about you think about two players that were so important to the season last year for, you know, a a couple of different reasons. Right. Jordy Ball was the dominant regular season pitcher that, I mean, kind of kind of gave the Sooners its most dominant regular season pitcher since Paige. You know, G was really good and had a couple. But I mean. This was just pure domination in the regular season. So that, that's nothing against G. That's nothing against uh, Nicole May and what she had done during the regular, regular season or the Mariah Lopez's of the world. Nothing against them at all. But she was a national freshman of the year, and she was just dominant during the regular season. Lost one game. Um, and then Nicole May. Here's someone who had battled injuries. And listen, I, I, I'll tell you the big mistake I made last night, Josh, and I'm still kind of kicking myself over, is, is I don't know how I had said the wrong number of walks for Nicole May, and, and it was a massive number. And even when I said it, I was like, that seems large, but it just rolled on. But the the whole point, well, and she had significantly fewer walks, and we corrected it and, and moved on. But at the core of it, Nicole May struggled with her control, just like Hope Trotwine did last year. And there was someone that – on Twitter, they're like, look, her walks per innings were, were, were better than Hope Troutwine. Okay, good. Well, they both struggled with their control. The reason that they weren't pitching more during the regular season was, A, Jordy was awesome, and B, 
you walk like one batter, two batters, that's too many. <laughs> Whenever you're talking about this this team. And that was an issue for both of them last year. I, I, I know this sounds crazy, and I know some of you want to want to disagree with it, but Josh, th- here's a wild theory. I was there. I saw every game. I saw every pitch. <laughs> I know. Trust me on that one. But in that, in, in someone who struggled with an injury, to have both of their nights start with two walks in the first two innings, you're kind of like, oh, no, here we go. And have both of them who have been integral for, like, I mean, we're, we're probably not back-to-back World Series champs as OU softball without Nicole May. The way that she pitched in the Super Regionals in 2021 against Washington, the way that she was in the postseason last year. You know, Oklahoma's probably not holding up uh, back-to-back championship trophies. They're not they're, they're not wearing rings if it's not for Nicole May. And to see them both come out and do what they did last night, for that faction that's that's worried about the offense after two games, then you better equally be as fired up about what they did in the pitching circle last night. Nicole May, eight innings, four hits, no runs, ten, ten strikeouts, and only those two walks in the first two innings. She hit a batter, um, had a wild pitch in there too, but I don't, I mean, she was just lights out. And um, Jordy Ball, <laughs> oh my gosh. In any cons- Now, I'm not going to lie to you, there was a part of me in that first inning where you're like, oh. You know, it's it's hard to come back from that forearm injury. It's it's not easy. I I'm worried about this. There's a I, I I'm legit worried. Is she going to be okay? Is she going to be able to battle through this? Is this going to be a problem? And then she just absolutely dominates throughout that entire game last night. I mean, Duke Duke didn't even really have any scoring opportunities. And while Oklahoma wasn't able to land the big knockout blow offensively, to still win it four zip and have Jordy throw a complete game four hitter where she struck out eight and walked two, and those two walks came in the first two innings. No, I don't know about you, Josh, but uh, I'm feeling pretty good if I'm Jen Rocha right now. Duke only had three at bats last night with a runner in scoring position. They didn't get a hit with a runner on base against Jordy Ball. So it might have been a night where you score just five combined runs in two games, and definitely the under was hit was hit from our, what, over-under of four that someone put on, on the Air Comfort Solutions text line for home runs? Let me tell you something, man. I'm pretty juiced about the way this pitching staff started this year. They've got – we've known this. We haven't even seen Alex Duraco yet. We haven't seen Kirsten Deal yet. Uh but they've, they've really got a chance to be pretty special. Do you think we see both in the next coming days? Starocco today? Yes, no? I think Jordy's going to pitch today. I think Jordy's going to start t- tonight and tomorrow. And, uh, I, 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 again, Starocco's ready if adversity hits. But, I mean, if if we're in a situation that – how about this? If OU gets up like five, if they get a 5-0 lead or something of that nature, maybe even a 6-0 lead, um, I think you might see Patty start using the bullpen a little bit more. But, you know, all these things that you and I have talked about this offseason, all the things that 
um, on, on Diamond Envy with Tyler McComas, uh, Gray Robertson's pod, Eric Lopez's pod, you know, all these all these podcasts that really drill deep. And on this show when we talk about softball quite a bit, you know, you start getting into, oh, the, 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 the matchups. You know, you might have a situation where you have a – you could bring a lefty on lefty for a couple of batters and then bring back in your starting pitcher if there's struggles or, you know, all, all these different things that we've talked about you can do with the staff. Um, but I think it still comes down to Jordy Ball's <laughs> – and Jordy Ball's your best option in a lot of instances. She's just, man, when she's on, she's something else. And it took both pitchers a little bit of time to get there last night, and, and that was fine. But, I mean, I honestly, I think Jordy starts tonight against Stanford. I think I think there's a chance Straco could start tomorrow night against Washington. Can we can we table that conversation until Twitter later? I did ride home with, uh, with Jen Rocha. She's pretty happy. Um, not going to lie. She was feeling pretty good about the way that her pitchers had thrown. But I also think that there was universally a little bit of, of, of frustration with the inability to adjust at the plate last night. But to me, that's about as that's about as long-term of a concern as – I'm thinking of an analogy here, Josh, and you let me know uh, if it works. If, if you're someone that wakes up this morning and says, gosh – only scored five runs in, in two games. What's wrong with us? That's about as much of a concern as I would have if I stubbed my toe and thought that I would never walk again. It's like, oh, my gosh, I just stubbed. Now, now in the short term, you think that that's a possibility. But whenever you get your wits about you from that searing pain of stubbing your toe, especially your pinky toe, on a, on a table corner or a bedpost or something, that, that, that concern immediately goes away. Does that work as an analogy? I, I think I'm that it works. concerned. Okay, which would be minimal. So we got a lot on that coming up tonight. Do you uh, – let's look at the guest list because we do have a, a, a fairly fun guest list today because in the midst of all this, we have a Super Bowl game to talk about, Josh. How's the nerves? How's the energy? What's the enthusiasm like for you right now? Enthusiasm is high. Let's, uh, let's boot this thing up. I'm ready man. to go. Good for you. Um, we're going to have our buddy, Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com is coming up a little bit later on in the program. Uh, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, Josh, that's like in, what, three hours? Or, excuse me, 30 minutes from now. In three hours from now, there's a good chance I'm going to be back asleep as long as security doesn't knock on my door. I'm trying to stay low-key. The person next to me had a do not disturb sign on their door, so that always worries me a little bit. That could be a problem when you're doing a radio show from your hotel room. Next to me, thinks part of the softball team, I'm okay. So I moved closer to that wall. I could see now the hey, oh, well, so you're worried about waking up the softball team and not the person next to you. No, 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 no. I think that they'll sleep through about anything. But um, 30 minutes from now, Lee Sterling will join us. And uh, Nick Kroll reached out to us and said, hey, can we jump on, promote up our tennis match uh, today? I'm saying, absolutely. I love Nick. And I think, I think Nick's a Chiefs fan. I think. We'll have to double check and follow up on that. Um, but obviously, beyond softball getting started, beyond the beyond the NCAA tournament hopes on life support for the OU men's basketball team, beyond a big weekend ahead for Mark Williams and, and one versus two in McCaslin for the OU men's gymnastics team, Josh, even beyond the women's basketball team traveling to Manhattan and looking to kind of exercise some demons from Manhattan, we've... Um, we got a major story that broke yesterday. 
And in, in the old adage of that keep hope alive mindset, keep hope alive that, oh, you would get out in 24, deadlines usually spur action. I don't really know if there are any deadlines in this because it seemed like the deadline they had said had passed and they had agreed to, to stay through 24. But I I feel like if I'm understanding this correctly, based on what could have been the penalty and what might have been the penalty for OU and Texas leaving early, seems to me, Josh, like they got out pretty well. When we come back on the Plank Show, let's go all in on what's been the biggest story on this program for the better part of the last three years and what is a a story that finally has some finality to it. We're talking about the Sooners and the Horns off to the SEC in 2024 officially, officially. We'll give you the details next right here on The Ref. (laughs) I don't know. I I don't know if there's ever been a better commercial on this radio station. I I don't know if those of you on 94.7 The Ref heard it or not. Are up in Tulsa on 1430. But <laughs> the fact that Bob Stoops wraps up the Van Hoos Fence commercial by saying that we'll work with you in a great way, let's go. Chef's Fantastic. Kiss. Tremendous. Chef's kids. Um, well, let's get into it. Before we get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line and before our man Lee Sterling joins us at 945 this morning, your, your initial reaction to the report and then, of course, the confirmation and then, I guess, even maybe more so surprisingly, the this, the, the releases that were all sent out almost. I mean, it's kind of like, oh, well, this is happening. Everyone's agreed to it. And, and usually there's like a set of denials. It's like, no, 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 we're not quite there yet. But, I mean, you had the, you had the ESPN report, the Pete Thamel report. You had the Brett McMurphy report. You had a couple of other reports out there, and then the next thing you know, boom, Oklahoma and Texas are in the SEC in 2024. What do you think, Josh? I can't believe you, I, anyone would have led ourselves to believe, even for a second, (laughs) that Oklahoma and and Texas were going to play the full grant of rights in this league. I I know that those reports uh, last week kind of led us that direction, but I I can't believe that we we bought it even for, for one moment. So it it just made too much sense for obviously Oklahoma and Texas. It's what they wanted for the Big 12. I think you have a great leader in your commissioner and in Brett Yormark that put emotions aside and was was down to work on business and got to work and got this thing done. And then uh, the networks obviously got what they wanted. The the swap in the Michigan Texas date I think was a, a pivotal cog here. So in, in the price tag itself, Plank. You know, relative to it could have been upwards of $160 million, $50 million, honestly, in the realm of can you say $50 million is kind of a bargain? Well, and, and here, here is where I will admit I'm not a smart man because, you know, in, in, in my mind, the um, I always imagine like this big check you had to cut. Remember Happy Gilmore where he's like, I want one of those checks. But Max Olson writes, Oklahoma and Texas are not writing $50 million checks. They're simply forfeiting $50 million in revenue distributions. The Big 12 bylaws call it a buyout fee. So, and again, that hurts. I mean, you're not getting money that I'm I'm, I'm willing to bet 
that you know you had budgeted for, but in that same vein, you're also making up for it in what you're getting from the SEC. But yeah, I I, I would love to see the break. I haven't I haven't read the athletic story yet. But I would love to see the breakdown and, and, and what, 20 million of it is going to Fox? <laughs> I mean, if if that was what we were waiting for this whole time, there's a part of me that is like, well, you're sitting here and everyone, you know, you got, you got dopes like Greg Swain that are like, Oklahoma's too poor. And then everyone piles on, yeah, they're too poor. Whenever it's like, well, they, they didn't have to cut a check, you idiots. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, one person on Twitter is trying to get me fired for name calling, but no, no, you you go ahead and try to follow that the, that uh, f- sect of Twitter and that kind of mindset. The whole "we are the poor"s for Oklahoma and, and and see how that makes you feel. It's mind-boggling, but it it really puts a big middle finger to to that section, and then to me, I mean, let's just kind of call this like it is, Josh. This probably doesn't get done unless the Big 12 wants to get it done and Oklahoma and Texas want to get it done. I know that that kind of sounds like a Captain Obvious thing, but it it seems to me like, and it's been this way since that December meeting in Vegas, a light went on somewhere in the Big 12 where it's like, and maybe it's Brett Yormark, where it's like, hey, listen, either you know one of about ten things could have happened, but in my mind it's either, guys, we've got a – We've got to start thinking about our new regime. We've got to start thinking our our new world. We've got to start thinking about our 12-team league without Oklahoma and Texas. You know, we got TCU making – you know, we've got to start being the Big 12 and not, you know, Oklahoma and Texas are eventually leaving us. Maybe it was something of that nature. Maybe it was – all right, listen, we've given up part of our TV fees, our media rights fees, in order for these four teams coming in to to be able to leave when they are, we got to get some money here. You know, we're not talking about um, we're not talking about a minor amount of money. What was it, Josh? Sixteen mil per school, eight mil each season. We, we we need to get made whole for that. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's my gosh, we do not want Oklahoma and Texas now that this playoff has expanded to twelve teams in their final season taking our uh, playoff spot. Maybe it was. Listen, we don't know if we can. We don't know if we can hold them to this 99-year agreement, so we've got to get paid before they get out and would owe nothing, right? I, whatever it might have been, Josh, something clicked in the Big 12 where instead of, you're staying here, you you, you hosed us, and it, it's been a good thing for OU and Texas in my mind to where it finally transitioned to, okay, we, we, we've got to work towards an agreement to make this amicable for everyone involved, including our TV partners. And... Whatever that was, it kind of helped fuel this. And as OU fans, as Big 12 fans, if you if you will, as fans of those schools, you now kind of have that that date in mind. And what appeared to be an inevitable thing with OU and Texas leaving early now finally comes to fruition. Though I'm going to be honest, Josh, it is a good two years later than I ever thought that it would. <laughs> I didn't think there was any way OU would ever play in a 14-team Big 12. But at least we'll get it for one season. Get it for one season, and then everybody goes their way. And the beautiful thing about the phrase being made whole in regards to all of this is I think that phrase held up. I think everybody, to some yep. degree, 
got what they wanted, right? The existing Big 12 members, they got some of that coin back that they were willing to shovel on over to these these joining members. Fox obviously got made whole by the Michigan-Texas game reversing where the dates were played in 24 and 27. And, oh, by the way, the $20 million out of this exit fee that's yep. going their direction. Uh, ESPN gets what it it wants because in 2024, guess what? It starts its agreement with the SEC, so it really didn't want Oklahoma and Texas playing in this Big 12 when, oh, by the way, it's new media rights agreement with the SEC got underway in 2024. And Oklahoma and Texas, well, guess what? You're not paying upwards of $160 million to get out, of, mm-hmm. get out of this league. You're paying what is a fair deal at $50 million. So everybody can look at this deal and say, you know what? Okay, yeah, well, we, we were made whole or this deal was pretty good for us. I don't think anyone comes away from it upset. Maybe, you know, I I I would love I would love to talk to Joseph Harris and Joe Castiglione and just kind of get a an off the record sense of just how contentious this became at times, how close maybe it was, where where was the frustration with the with the dropping of the schedule? I mean, I I guess it does make a little bit more sense now, Josh, as to why we didn't and and neither team has acknowledged the schedule uh, as like some full full on media push and now I don't think you're going to. I mean it's we're we're two weeks since it got dropped. I don't think you suddenly are like, All right, here's here's our schedule exciting release. I mean you you at least now have it up on the OU website and you have it up on the Texas website. But I, I think a lot of things now that you look back make a little bit of sense towards that, right? But in the same vein, it's um, it's pretty crazy that you're looking at you're looking at something that has been twenty one, twenty two, three years in the making, and I mean there there was a point last week, I mean last Friday, Josh, I, I had kind of accepted that. Listen, if Fox isn't going to budge on this, this might end up being the reality that we're going to have another year in the Big Twelve Conference. For Oklahoma football, but bottom line, they, they came to a, an agreement, and everyone gets to move on. Uh, there's a little bit of confusion, I think, too, that maybe we need to clarify. I saw this a lot on my Twitter feed last night. OU softball and OU baseball and men's golf and women's golf and all your spring sports will still play in the Big Twelve in 24. The first sports to participate in the SEC will be those fall sports of 24, right? Women's soccer, uh, football, volleyball. volleyball. Yeah, those will be the three. So just, again, I, I think so. We'll leave it at 24. Oh, good, finally the final year of the Big 12 for softball. I can't wait to see OU Alabama. Eh, eh, not so fast. OU will still have one more season um, in, the, in the Big 12 for softball So and baseball. And uh, men's golf and women's golf and men's tennis. I'm just going through the laundry list of spring sports off the top of my head. But, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like we've done this show, but only to have some finality to it is a little bit weird. Right? I feel like we've done the OU to the SEC early. I feel like we've nerded out on things like 99-year agreements. I feel like we've dorked out whenever it comes to what the TV deals look like, understanding the 
the who's, the what's, the why's, the everything to it. But now that you have some finality to it, I'm, I'm like, okay, let's go. Now let's start finding out what this looks like. <laughs> what What is it going to look like in the SEC as far as divisions are concerned? Or will there be divisions when we come back? The commissioner of the SEC, our fearless leader, Greg Sankey, spoke today about what they feel like this, I don't say standing schedule is going to look like. And are we going to be in pods? Are we going to be in scheduling divisions? Are we going to be just one big happy conference of 16 teams? Greg Sankey spoke this morning. We'll share with you what he said next right here on The Ref. Pretty uh, pretty cold of you, Josh, to drop this tune, this jam, this early in the show. Just, just waking up, having that first cup of coffee, seven thirty-seven a.m. on the West Coast. I don't smoke, but I feel like this would be the perfect song to like have a cigarette sitting on a patio, just kind of enjoying the sunrise. Yeah, <laughs> have a nice stove. Right. Yeah. Um, hey. USC Brian, hang in there. I'm going to get right to you. You guys are on fire on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. But let, let me pay off this tease. Uh, now, uh, Greg McElroy, Cole Kublik, Cole's been on the show before. I think Greg has been, too. Uh, good friends of the program. They had Greg Sankey on this morning. Now, uh, we're going to hear from, from Greg on, like, what were the hurdles? What kind of led to this? I know I, know, <laughs> I still go back to this because I was cracking up whenever uh, – Gunny was pointing out about us being the most hated duo on on the the, sh- the station, and I think my my personal favorite complaint was all he does is talking about TV deals and the OU to SEC thing. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a big story, but I I will confess, and you know, the guys at Big Twelve Radio make fun of me about this. I'm not trying to pretend to be a know it all. I'm just fascinated with the TV rights and the grant of rights and media rights deals and how they work and how empowered all the TV partners are. I think it's, it's, it's good content for me. I like to consume it for some, it might be in the details, but trust me, I tried to do a segment earlier this week on, uh, in fact, it was Wednesday, Wednesday on the show on NIL on Jane Rashada. And you guys could not have given an S less. Is that a fair way to put it, Josh? The the if the text line engagements or the Twitter engagements are the the driving force I, of do they care or not? Yeah, no, yeah. nobody cared. I was listening to Carrie uh, and and Josh and Eddie the other day and Bob, and they I think their podcast dropped either later that day or that morning, and they were talking about. It. I'm like, ah, oh, bros, big mistake. Hopefully you're you're big mistake. Your audience should've, is a little bit more passionate. Should have been listening. Because I mean, you should have heard the, the the thud that it resonated with our audience when we tried to talk about Rashada. Holy smokes! But anyway, um, all, all that all that being said, uh, Cole Kublik asked Greg Sankey, "Hey, what is all right? What's what what's next? What's some things you want to accomplish scheduling wise? Gets into divisions here. This is good when you're thinking about the future of OU and what the SEC is going to look like from the commissioner Greg Sankey. Wait for it." Wait for it. Greg. In mind, and said it repeatedly, uh, again, dating back to the expansion announcement. One was that we engage in what I call blue sky thinking. That's not a term that originates with me, but take a step back, look at the big picture, forget all of the old encumbrances, and think about, wow, what are the options in front of us? And we've, 
we've explored dozens of, of scheduling models and people send me scheduling ideas. In fact, it's just walking in my office, there's yet another letter with another scheduling idea that we've already processed through. Um, so we've, we've accomplished, you know, kind of the first objective. Let's look at all the options available. The second was let's rotate our teams through campuses with greater frequency. And, you know, we, we saw games last year in Missouri at Auburn, for example, that hadn't been played since we added Missouri back in 2012. And, you know, the one that sticks out in most articles is Georgia's not traveled to College Station since Texas A&M's been a member. That shouldn't happen. We shouldn't be going 12 years between campus visits with the prominence of our universities, the strength of our football programs, the visibility around our teams. We should be rotating our teams through more frequently. So those have been the two objectives I've identified. We have focused most recently on a single division format. Uh, we've been intentional about discussing uh, our ability to have annual rivalries played or rivalries played uh, every other year. We haven't arrived at a destination between eight or nine games. The number of games will facilitate the number of annual games that take place. We also have looked kind of at the bandwidth of balance and fairness, if you will, in a schedule. We've worked with athletics directors to define what that means. You're always going to have variances in the competitive nature of a schedule based on the other team's success and your team's success uh, in that particular season. And so those are, those are guiding principles. Um, I would say Destin is the, the, the far end date of, for making a decision. Um, we'd like to back that up. The sooner the better now that we have clarity, uh, around the, the expansion to 16 and the timing of that expansion. It's really helpful. You can imagine in making decisions, knowing where the college football playoff is in 24 is a helpful piece of information. Working with our TV partner will be a helpful piece of information. And looking through, if you are in a single division, how do you break ties? Because you don't have all the head-to-head matchups that you would in our current two-division model. And I'll say lastly, that doesn't mean other format ideas won't pop back into the conversation over the next 60 to 90 days. But we've worked really hard for the last year and a half to walk through every kind of possibility and figure out the whys and, and then the what's of, of a potential model. There you go. Uh, looks like it's pretty – it's going to be pretty interesting, Josh, in thinking about a one-division model for the SEC. And, I mean, 16 teams, you get the two best teams always playing each other in your SEC championship game. I don't know, I'm kind of – I'm not going to lie. I'm intrigued. I wonder how this is going to work out. Um, are you a fan of One Division? I feel like I'm asking you if you're a fan of a band. Are you a fan of One Direction? Do you like them? Do you like One no, Division? Uh, <laughs> I think I think for me, whatever it looks like, I, I don't need two divisions. Okay, so okay. start there. I, I kind of like the idea of put the best yeah, two. Pods. In the yeah. SEC championship game, however, you tie break to get to that point. And then beyond that, for me, I, I have come around to, you know, the, the pods model was good early. 
permanent opponents three and six, I think is is a nice model where you've got three permanent opponents and then you rotate the other six. And in that way, you can make sure and accomplish the same thing that pods would accomplish, which is you host you host every team once every four years and you see every team once every two years. That to me, those are the two things you got to get accomplished. Lee Sterling is going to join us next. Do you want to you want to wedge USC Brian in here real quick before we take a break, Josh? Let's do so. All right. What's going on, USC Brian? How are you, buddy? Hey yo. Anyway, <laughs> I'm as well as can be expected today, brother. I got I got three quick ones for you, and then I'm gonna <laughs> then I'm gonna step on out into the sunset. Okay. Okay. First thing. First thing is, I want to congratulate uh, Kevin Durant from getting out of that muck and mire that he was in Brooklyn. And I want people to look at this very closely. Durant has been set up again to win him a possible another NBA championship. While everybody talked about that loyal subject that was in Oklahoma City when Durant left, Russell Westbrook, He's been uh, put out to pasture once again. Now, this is a this is a valuable lesson for o- OKC fans. You talked about all oh how Durant was a cupcake and this that and other. He set up for another championship, but the stats guy, the guy that will get in the Hall of Fame by for only stats, uh, will never win anything. Uh, take that and do what you want with it. Second thing is. Patrick Mahomes, I congratulate you for your second MVP calendar year. You are by no means, and I'm not trying to disrespect anybody, the best quarterback in the NFL today. Take that what you want to on that one. And if your career ended today, you will be in the Hall of Fame because if Terrell Davis can get into the Hall of Fame, you should have an open-door policy the day you retire. And the third thing, you know, I have said this a time and time again to a lot of people, and I'm going to say it to the public at large. Oh, you, you're making the biggest mistake you ever made in your lifetime. You are going to set yourself up to become the slippery rock of the SEC. Now, why do I say that? Well, you have your you you have your best setup right where you are in the Big Twelve, but you're following your big brother that gets you into trouble all the time. Texas for the money. Now, I can't I can't turn turn down no money. I wouldn't turn down no money by no means. But to set myself up to be a footstool and a doormat. For the rest of the teams in the league, is that what no, US is that what USC is doing in the Big Ten? Oh no, oh no! Don't, don't disrespect <laughs> us like that. Don't disrespect <laughs> us like that because hey, every every to be, year to be we Ohio have State, been Michigan's the, little every brother. Every year we have been in every year we have been in the Rose Bowl. Guess who we play? Big Ten or now what we consider what we will consider Big Twelve teams, and we have. Own them, put a bone in their nose, and wrote them home. Okay, okay. so it's not nothing that we know, that we're not know what we're getting ourselves into. 
We're getting into something that we're going to love to be in because we know we can beat anything up there. Thank you very much. All right, Brian, I got to run. I would bet every dollar in my bank account that Oklahoma's playing in an SEC title game before USC plays in a Big Ten title game. Everything in my bank account. Oh, I love it. There's $5 in there right now, but take that for what you want. (laughs) That's a $5 wager. There's the ultimate heel of the Plank Show, USC Brian. We've got a break. We've got a break. Uh, Coming up next, Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com on the ref. All right, one of the funnest parts of the Super Bowl is obviously the prop bets, the gambling. Joining us right now, Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. Lee, sorry we're running a little bit behind, but always great to hear your voice, man. And you've you've got a little hidden secret here whenever it comes to a couple of props, including the anthem prop that you've been on fire with. What's kind of caught your eye heading into Sunday Super Bowl? Okay, so let's look at a couple player props here. We're looking for value. (laughs) We don't want to, you know, play 50-60 Prop wagers, uh, they big on these wagers, unlike the football game that's usually minus 110. These are minus 115 to minus 130. So be careful, pay attention to the VIG. But found a couple player props I think that are off. One of them is Kenneth Gainwell. Kenneth Gainwell, running back from Memphis, over under 19 and a half rushing yards. Now he's a third down running back. Here's the catch, though. He is inserted a lot of times on third down, and they'll leave him in for three, four, five plays afterwards. He's dynamic. I project him as gaining 36, 37 yards in that range. I'm going to go over 19.5 rushing yards for Kenneth Gainwell. Juju Smith-Schuster, over 40 receiving yards. He went out early in the championship game. Uh, I think he's going to be an integral part of the passing game for Kansas City. I think they're obviously going to key on Travis Kelsey. He might catch five, six balls here, 40 yards. I'm hearing he's healthy for the game. We'll go over 40 receiving yards. Who will catch a pass first, Isaiah Pacheco or Miles Sanders? I'll go with Isaiah Pacheco, minus 130 there. And uh, I I don't like playing who will score the first touchdown. I've had too many times, Chris, where I'll, I'll end up having a guy catch a ball or run make a long run, get knocked out at the one-yard line, then they throw a touchdown to the third-string backup tight end. I'll go just with Travis Kelsey to score a touchdown mm-hmm. anytime during the game, minus 120. And, Lee, yep. I know to ParamountSports.com people can find it, but you and your daughter have a little thing going <laughs> with the anthem, huh? Yep. Huh? How's she yep. feeling about things? She feels good. So now she's won eight straight National anthems. This is a little tougher because Chris Stapleton, who has, she says, an amazing voice, he has never sang a national anthem for a major sporting event. So we checked high and low on YouTube, nothing out there. So she studies his voice. As you know, she sang the national anthem for the Orange Bowl game. She takes it seriously. She told me, as amazing as his voice is, she said, and he holds notes pretty long, she says his phrasing before he will hit that last note has gotten a little shorter over the last four or five years. He's 44 years old. She even said the quality, uh, the air quality is a little, little drier in Arizona. And she told me, she said a couple things, Dad. She says, I used to sing it minute 40, minute 42. She goes, I sing it now minute 55 to a minute and 58. She said, Adina Menzel. 
Now, Whitney Houston is the gold standard. No one will ever touch right. that national anthem. But Adina Menzel, one of the most incredible voices over the last 30 years, she sang it in two minutes and four seconds. She goes, he's 44 years old. He has five kids. He's probably tired. She thinks he's going to go a little quick on the national anthem under two minutes and six seconds on the national anthem. Hey, Lee, I got a minute. What's your thoughts yep. on the game? How are you feeling yep. about Chiefs-Eagles? Okay, as incredible as Andy Reid's record is, 28-4, and four, uh, given an extra week to prepare, and Patrick Mahomes, best quarterback in the NFL, he did have two subpar uh, Super Bowl performances, only two touchdowns, four interceptions. I think that Philadelphia offensive line with three pro bowlers and the defensive line, unless uh, Hurts throws two or three interceptions, I'm going with Philadelphia here, 30-24. to 24. Lee Sterling, check it out, ParamountSports.com. You're the man. I always appreciate your insight. You're the best. We'll talk to you again okay. soon, brother. You too, Chris. Take care. Love that guy, Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. I love how his daughter is so in on the anthem prop. That's been a thing running. Lee and I have talked for, I mean, at the very least, like a decade. So to know that it's hit nine straight times <laughs> – they got to listen. How about the reasoning behind it, too, Josh? It's like, you know, he's getting older, a little bit tired. Um, to me, I would try to drag it out. I'd want to be on the field as long as I possibly could. But that's just me. Chris Stapleton. Can he Can he just do a concert instead of what we have to listen to at halftime? Oh, no, I'm not going to make fun of the halftime show. Oh, be careful. Rihanna Watch stands going to get after you. Jer- Mike Joy was reading the Rihanna uh, he goes, Super Bowl coming to Fox, and he's laying on, and halftime with Rihanna. Oh, like, oh no. <laughs> Game over. Poor Mike Joy. Poor Mike Joy. Um, well, Brian has made you guys feel some sort of way. We'll hit the Air Comfort Solutions text line next. More on Oklahoma's pending move to the SEC now that we have a time on it. 2024, it's the Plank Show.